Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, always broadcasting from the Cellmark Studios, along with Colleen Daniel and the About Mansfield News Team. We are your audio newspaper. Episode 100 is just six weeks away. That makes this episode episode 94. We thank you for being here with us. Coming up on this episode, it's Mansfield News, sports, and weather for the upcoming week. And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win $25 in Primo Bucks, redeemable at El Primo's or The Vault with our Mansfield trivia question. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. School district addresses bullying in the aftermath of Wednesday's school shooting. How important is counseling after a traumatic event? One local expert weighs in. Proclamations, accolades, and ordinances. Michael Evans covers it all in a moment with the mayor. The COVID-19 epidemic is declining in Mansfield. In sports, we have the results of last week's MISD football games, including a couple of blowouts. And who plays this week? Coming up in the features section... Science reporter Dennis Webb ponders the question, do you believe in science? Part two. Are you suffering from chronic headaches? I'm Katrina Brown, and today we are discussing when a headache may be a migraine on your Texas Health Tip of the Week. In this week's Cocktail of the Week segment, I'll be talking about a cocktail that was inspired by a Kentucky story of persistence and grit. We have the seven-day weather forecast, and in the talk segment, Steve concludes his Hispanic Heritage Month celebration with Mansfield resident Daryl Perez. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. Southwestern Adventist University is ranked number two in social mobility by U.S. News and World Report Regional Colleges West. That means SWAU is one of the best schools when it comes to helping people better themselves and improve their economic circumstances. U.S. News and World Report also ranks SWAU 11th best regional college west. If you're interested in learning more about SWAU, visit their website, swau.edu. Hey Mansfield, Sonia here from Wise Wellness. Did you know that Wise Wellness is now mobile? Yep, we have changed our business model to best serve our clients. That means you can order online and usually have it delivered within 24 hours or less. We're bringing the best CBD tinctures, topicals, edibles, and pet products directly to your door. Visit our website at wisewell.com to see our selection. That's W-Y-S-E-Well.com. Got pain? Need sleep? Does your pet have storm or separation anxiety? We've got you covered. Don't forget about our specialty, Tom's Treats. These little gems of goodness can help promote better sleep and overall wellness. With six main ingredients and no preservatives, they're the best around. Give us a call at 682-313-4767, visit the website, or reach out to us on social media to connect. As a thank you to the About Mansfield podcast listeners, use the promo code AMPOD to buy one, get one free on our website. Again, that's wisewell.com. W-Y-S-E-Well.com. The Downtown Throwdown Beer and Music Festival is coming to the lot in Mansfield, Saturday, October 16th. Josh Weathers, Jordan Nix, the Brad Russell Band, Josh Nix, and Sophia Drago. Celebrate beer and music in historic downtown Mansfield. Made possible in part by a grant from historic downtown Mansfield, Dirty Job Brewing, Market Street, Lost Donkey Honey, Big D Barbecue, Main Street Lofts, and Frost Bank. General and VIP tickets on sale now at DirtyJobBrewing.com. Hi, I'm Michelle Newsom. Mansfield School Board trustee, and you're listening to 
About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. In the aftermath of Wednesday's school shooting at Timberview last week, the two main topics still remain at the forefront of the community, that being bullying and counseling. We start with bullying. MISD Superintendent Dr. Kimberly Cantu addressed the topic in a video statement released on Monday. But I do want to be clear. We take allegations of bullying in Mansfield ISD very, very seriously. We do have a process in place where bullying can be reported, it can be investigated, and action can be taken and will be taken if there are instances of bullying that are identified within Mansfield ISD. But we do not want to just be reactive to bullying. We want to be proactive as well. And that is why back in 2019, we undertook the process of developing a social and emotional learning department within Mansfield ISD. We are to a point now where SEL lessons are available and pushed out twice a week to our campuses throughout the district. Making sure that our students are knowing and learning how to interact with one another in a safe and appropriate way is critical to us here in Mansfield ISD. Incidentally, today... Wednesday, October 13th, is National Stop Bullying Day. Some important facts to keep in mind are these. One in five students have been bullied. Students here is defined as school children between the ages of 12 and 18. Bullying heavily affects sixth graders. At 31%, it's the grade level in which children more commonly report bullying. Bullying is less likely to be reported in high school. Less than 40% of high schoolers said they told an adult about incidences of bullying at any time. Bullying has caused kids to skip school. Cyberbullying.org conservatively estimates that approximately 5.4 million students skip school at some point during the school year due to bullying. And finally, bystanders absolutely can end bullying. When a peer or bystander intervenes, the bullying situation ends in over half of all cases. A traumatic event such as last week's school shooting, if left unaddressed, can lead to some serious mental health issues such as PTSD. Steve talked with one local expert about the importance of counseling. And with us on the phone is Rachel Terry. She is a licensed professional counselor and the owner of The Hope Place. She was one of the first, if not the first, to put out on social media for a community-wide counseling session. And uh, Rachel, first of all, welcome to About Mansfield. Thank you. Tell us about uh, how important is counseling in when such a traumatic event takes place, uh, such as the shooting last Wednesday? say that it is extraordinarily important. Professional counseling can help a person move from like an acute stress disorder, which is what they're they're feeling physiologically during and, and after the event. So you can uh, you can move from from feeling those those symptoms into PTSD if your if it, your brain does not process it within about a month. Counseling is supposed to the whole goal is to help your brain process it in a way that doesn't recur like you don't have recurring nightmares, you're not thinking about it constantly and you kinda detach the negative emotions from the event as much as you can. In our in our culture and in cultures all over the world, we actually we do this pretty well with our uh, with our families and with our community. You'll see visuals that are started at different churches or times where people are, are all gathering together in support, you know, quote kind of thing. What that what that really does for our brains is help process and heal 
that traumatic event becoming permanent in our head, more permanent anyway. And that's PTSD. So if we don't get it processed within the first month, then you're looking at PTSD symptoms after that. All right. So it's a week after the, the traumatic event. It's definitely not too late to seek counseling. Definitely not. It could be it could be years. So I see a lot of veterans and first responders and people who have had events 10, 20 years ago that happened to them that, that they're experiencing PTSD symptoms for, and we're successfully treating those events from years and years and years ago. It does not have to be the next day. When a student comes to you, for instance, uh, within the past week, are parents also accompanying them, and are they going through the counseling process as well? Some are, and some are not. Uh, some feel that they, they've got it handled, they've got everything under control, and then some of them, gosh, I could say that, that some parents are coming and the kids are not, right? Like, it, it really just depends on what, what that each individual feels like they need. And what happens during a session? What, what's talked about? That's going to depend on the kind of modality or treatment that we use here at the Hope Place. But for, for me, personally, I use a solution-focused approach in my language, and I use something called accelerated resolution therapy that uses eye movement to help process those events and things. We, we hear a lot about EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization reprocessing. This is not the same thing, although it uses the same eye movement. So a session could look like, you know, you tell me, what, what is it that you feel like is important for me to know about this, this, this thing that has happened? That's more of a recent, you know, if somebody comes in from a recent trauma, we would ask about that. If it's a trauma from 10 years ago, we would ask things like, well, what are your best hopes from coming to see me? You're sitting here on my couch for a reason. So what is it that, that your best hopes would be from coming to see me? So really just getting it off their chest and expressing it verbally really takes a lot off the mind. It depends on the person. It can actually be re-traumatizing to continue to talk about the event repeatedly, especially if, if somebody hasn't been or if somebody had a trauma that was 10 years ago, God knows how many therapists they've been to at that point that have required them to retell their story over and over again. And kind of what that does is when you practice something a whole lot of times, that becomes muscle memory, right? Right. Well, the brain works the same way. So if we're retelling this terrible tra- trauma that has happened to us over and over again, we're practicing that version of ourselves over and over again. So whenever... They come in initially. Initially, they need that support. They need to know that someone is there and can um, accept them in this thing that has just happened. That's that's within the first month of the actual trauma. Anything after that, we need to start looking at not practicing the trauma repeatedly, right? And we need to look at what what is your life or what would you like your life to look like after these symptoms are no longer present in your life? Is there anything I missed? If you have had counseling in the past and it was a bad experience for you, this happens, this happens a lot, right? We, counselors are people, therapists are people, and we're not going to fit with every single personality, right? Or expertise. We will all have different specializations and, and expertise. So if you have had a bad experience in the past, I would say, go find another therapist. Don't give up on, on therapy, but give up maybe on that therapist. You can do that by looking for different different abbreviations after the end of their name. So if you went to go see an LPC, you could maybe try to go see an LMFT or an LCSW instead of the one that you went to previously. There are lots of different 
theories and modalities of treatment for mental health issues. And maybe that one that you went to didn't fit as well. So don't give up on therapy, but maybe give up on that therapist. Rachel Terry, licensed professional counselor from The Hope Place. Appreciate you being on About Mansfield. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Mayor Michael Evans weighed in on the news out of Timberview High School. You know, you can't help but thank uh, the uh, Mansfield community, the Arlington community, and Grand Prairie as we kind of really all all meet right there, so to speak, at Timberview High School. Uh, we have a dynamic uh, group of, of young people who um, were traumatized and uh, by, by a, a tragedy. But here's what's so awesome. Uh, we see and we have seen the partnerships of, of, of the three cities coming together, Mansfield, Grand Prairie, Arlington. Uh, our, our police chief, Tracy Aaron, second to none, uh, as uh, um, he coordinated and, and the, the, uh, the three municipalities coordinated in that effort to uh, make sure that uh, people were kept safe. Uh, the uh, practices and the drills that uh, the school district under the leadership of Dr. Kimberly Cantu, that they uh, had um, really placed into action. As a matter of fact, I believe like a day prior to that event happening, I mean, who would have thought that uh, uh, the, the, the principal there, this, just the school board, Michelle Newsom uh, serving as president, and just how they all have come together and um, uh, worked for and are working to make sure that that environment remains safe. Uh, uh, the, the Mansfield Churches for the City that uh, helped to uh, coordinate uh, with with food and and uh, the beverages needed for those parents who were meeting at the reunification site at the uh, Performing Arts Center. You know, all of that shows the kind of community that we live in. So great thanks. We have the Circle of Light, um, uh, uh, just vigil gathering at Newsom Stadium this past Sunday. On uh, Monday, you had the uh, Timberview Prayer and Balloon Release. It says a lot about a city that is healing, a community that is healing, and young people who are healing. So we just continue to ask people, Steve, to, you know, let's show some love uh, to that campus. And of course, our support, our full-throated support uh, behind our superintendent, Dr. Kimberly Cantu, and uh, the school board who uh, is doing an outstanding job. We need to support them. Mansfield City Council held a regularly scheduled meeting on Monday evening. The following opinions of those of my Michael Evans may not necessarily reflect those of the Mansfield City Council. Here in the studio, we call it a moment with the mayor. Good morning, Michael Evans. Good morning, sir. Welcome to About Mansfield. It's good to be here. Let's talk about what happened Monday night at the city council meeting. You started with a proclamation. Yes, we had quite a bit going on uh, this this Monday, uh, to be honest with you. So what we did was we uh, issued a proclamation declaring October as Community Planning Month in the city of Mansfield. We have a phenomenal group of men and women in our planning department, and we're also blessed to have dedicated residents who serve on a number of boards and commissions related to planning. And I just thank each and every one of those folks who help and offer their services to the city of Mansfield. Not only did you start with a proclamation, then it followed up with an award from Scenic Texas. Yes, uh, we were recognized as a certified scenic city, a certified scenic city. We know how beautiful our city is anyway, but uh, this award recognizes municipalities that implement high-quality scenic standards uh, for public roadways and public spaces. Now, you know, we have some ugly uh, roads right now, and it's because they're all torn up, <laughs> but but we're working toward—we uh, were 
working toward that. We're working toward having some beautiful public roadways, and uh, we're giving it a good shot. We're going to get it done. Getting down to business, one of the first items uh, was a uh, proclamation or, or an ordinance regarding uh, door-to-door salespeople and panhandling? Actually, it was. Uh, we amended our Chapter 111 of the City of Mansfield's Code of Ordinances uh, to uh, place additional restrictions on solicitation, canvassing, and handbill distribution uh, within the city. And, and also, this uh, prohibits uh, people standing on the street corners uh, soliciting uh, money from um, people who driving up and down the road. You know, we, we want we want to do that for safety reasons also. And uh, uh, there are people, of course, I mean, when you go home, you don't want to be bothered. And I don't blame anybody. <laughs> so uh, we're just trying to make sure that we uh, tighten up, if you would, uh, the regulations on that. MEDC also had some news uh, at Council, MEDC being the Mansfield Economic Development Corporation. Uh, what happened with uh, MEDC and, and the industrial part of Mansfield? Yeah, uh, we, uh, the Council, uh, we approved an economic development agreement uh, between the uh, Mansfield Economic Development Corporation and Goodman Food Products Incorporated. Now, this company uh, intends to expand its food processing facility at uh, 812 South 5th Avenue by 31,500 square feet. And what this means, of course, uh, for uh, people in surrounding areas, of course, here in Mansfield, are jobs, more jobs, and uh, this gives people a better opportunity to take care of their families. Michael Lehman uh, was appointed to a, a new position, Councilman Michael Lehman, and, and let's find out about uh, about that. Yeah, actually, um, and, and I call I call uh, Councilman Lehman Chief. I've known him as Chief Lehman for so many years. Sure, but yes, sir, uh, Council. We nominated we nominated City Council Member uh, Mike Lehman. We'll actually uh, be casting our votes on that on the next. Uh, council meeting. And of course, we with uh, other municipalities are going to uh, be casting our votes for persons who will serve as board of directors for the uh, Central Appraisal District of Tarrant County. Uh, listen, these are the folks who help to regulate uh, property taxes and otherwise. So this is a very important uh, position and uh, one that um, people have a tendency not to uh, give much attention to this one, uh, not until that bill comes. So so, um, yeah, uh, it's good. It will be good to have a member of the council who's uh, serving on that. Last night, you all talked about uh, the aesthetics of buildings, and let's get into that topic. You know what? We, we really did. Um, we had a couple of things going on in that regard, because uh, we authorized our city manager, Joe Smolinski, to execute uh, a contract with um, uh, the Lou Oliver Incorporated. This is, this is a, for, a firm, rather, for professional architecture services for or an architectural pattern book. So what that means is uh, when when uh, developers or folks like that uh, come into town uh, and uh, they have a plot of land, they want to build on it, uh, and we say to them, okay, this is what we want these buildings to look like. These are the materials that uh, will be approved uh, by council. So, um, yeah, it, it's uh, this is long overdue, and uh, we're happy to have it. Uh, we, we just don't want to have a, a checkerboard uh, looking uh, Neighborhood, so we want, oh, yeah. to make, we want to make sure that we are we are growing smart and uh, that we have a good pattern in that, in regard to that growth. 
Next on the agenda was something that hit uh, fairly close to home uh, with you. There's a zoning change out there on West Broad Street. Yes, it did hit close to home. And I had the opportunity to uh, turn over the gavel to uh, our mayor pro tem, Todd Tenor. And I went down and sat in the seats. And so I became a spectator for a while uh, the other night because council passed the first reading of an ordinance to approve a zoning change on nearly 11 acres of land at uh, the Bethlehem Baptist Church. And of course, that's where I get the opportunity to serve as the pastor. What we're doing is at the Bethlehem Baptist Church, we are building a uh, 56,000 uh, square foot uh, facility, it's a worship facility, uh, worship, ministry, mission, all of that stuff coming out of there. And that's about a $17 million uh, project. So um, we're excited about it. Council gave us a thumbs up and we're ready to move forward with that thing. Downtown became the topic again, and which is uh, seems to be the focus of of uh, of Mansfield uh, downtown. Tell me uh, about the some downtown news. You, you know, downtown is um, um, the focal point right now, and you are right about that. Uh, as you know, and your listeners know, we have been hitting hard <laughs> when it comes to downtown uh, because for for many years we've been talking about what we're going to do. And uh, when I received the baton uh, from uh, my predecessor David Cook, and of course other council members, uh, we said that we wanted to have a vibrant downtown. And we, we, we're working on that. I mean, we've got a, a, a new steak restaurant coming downtown, you know, Chop Shop, uh, all of that, uh, Chop House rather, coming downtown. I think Chop Shop is uh, when you steal <laughs> That's car. something yeah. completely yeah, yeah, different. Yeah, we're not talking. No, we don't have that, folks. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, let, let me get back. Let me steak get back to downtown. Yeah, <laughs> Steak and Chop House. My gosh. Oh, people. All right. We're, going, we're talking about downtown. Downtown District uh, is a... Uh, it, this is a form-based code that intends to create a pedestrian-oriented mixed-use district within historic downtown Mansfield and areas nearby. And, and here's what's important, because with this district, uh, the city, we really aim to increase the private investment in downtown while at the same time protecting the area's historic and cultural heritage. And we just believe that uh, this zoning overhaul is going to put historic downtown in an even greater position to grow and succeed in the future. And we're all very pleased. And we're excited about the, this. We've been working on it for a while, and here we go. Finally, on the agenda, let's uh, let's have some information, some news about the the new inspection department. Yes, we do have a new inspection department, and uh, we we actually passed an ordinance to adopt standards for registration and inspection requirements for multi-family dwelling complexes in Mansfield. I, I believe that that uh, Chief Mike Layman said it well on last night uh, when he said, you know. Folks really don't necessarily have problems with, quote-unquote, apartments. But what people have a problem with is what they look like, you know, years down the road. And uh, what we're trying to do as a city is to make sure that that those buildings, that they remain aesthetically pleasing, uh, that uh, the lawn is kept, that, uh, you know, the building looks as fresh as it did 10 years prior. Right. And um, we, we're serious about that. So uh, this is retro. Too. So for those that are already in town, have been been here for 20 years or 40 in, in a couple of cases, uh, we're going back in and we're saying, no, you're going to have to make sure that it looks a certain way. So now we have an inspection department and um, here we go. Here we go. And this is, again, for multifamily dwellings. 
It's been a tough emotional week here in Mansfield, especially in the district, the school district, and and focusing nationally focused on on Timberview High School. Can I ask you a personal question from a pastor's standpoint? Yes, sir. You as a pastor, during an event, a traumatic event like this, you are... People from the community are coming to you seeking guidance, seeking counseling, seeking which you are delivering to your community. At the end of a day, though, you're still a human being. How are you, how are you holding up after delivering and being the guiding light to your community? That's a good question. I, I know me, and, and I believe most pastors would say that uh, there is there is just an overwhelming sense of sadness. You know, you, 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 you suck it up, so to speak. You take a deep breath and you minister to people. You serve people. Uh, you make sure that uh, whatever questions or fears they have, that they are alleviated or dealt with uh, in, in a compassionate manner. But then when you go home, Right. And um, you're, you're not your lights and camera is off and, and you're just there. Uh, what you do is you cry if you have to. And uh, um, after you do that, uh, then uh, we, um, uh, we we talk to God about the situation and uh, we we move on and we keep on pressing. So that's what we do. And Mansfield as a community and this southeast Tarrant County community is resilient and we overcome. Michael Evans, keep on pressing. We'll see you in two weeks. All right. Look forward to seeing you, sir. It's a moment with the mayor on About Mansfield. The COVID-19 epidemic here in Mansfield appears to be on the downslide. With the numbers, here's science reporter Dennis Webb. Dennis? Thank you, Steve. The city of Mansfield saw a third week of decrease in weekly new cases, reported this past week at 137 fellow citizens. Back in May, this number was below 50 each week. Seven new fatalities here this past week, the second consecutive week of seven COVID fatalities among Mansfield citizens. The whole month of June saw only one fatality. So we appear to be at the deadly back end of our fourth wave in the local COVID-19 epidemic. Everybody hoped there would not be a fourth wave, but we got one peaking early in September. I hope there is not another wave, but nobody really knows. 51% of Mansfield citizens 12 and older are fully vaccinated. Mansfield Independent School District identified 178 cases among students and staff, a fourth week of decline. Tarrant County's overall trend suggests the same decline from the fourth wave. County numbers, 722 fellow citizens were in one of the county's hospitals with the virus at the end of last week. This is the fifth week of decline in this number. 126 fellow Tarrant County citizens were reported to have passed away from the virus this past week the exact same number as a week before. The county's test positivity rate is 18%, meaning a lot of citizens can pass the virus to another citizen but may not know they are infectious. Community spread remains estimated as high, and Texas statewide trends are very similar. Tarrant County public health officials recommend that all eligible citizens get vaccinated. Vaccination is the best single step any of us can take to prevent the next wave. From the science desk at about Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. In sports, four wins, one loss in district football. The Mansfield Football Tigers defeated Waco Midway 24-6. Legacy topped Birdville 41-21. Summit bested Richland 40-16. Lake Ridge still remains winless this season after a devastating loss to Duncanville 59-zip. And a grieving Timberview stepped up and routed University High School 76-0. Timberview coach James Brown said that his main objective Friday night was to get his 
players refocused on football. I don't really think it was a pep talk last Friday night. I think it was more um, getting the kids refocused and getting them back to some normalcy. It, uh, you know, obviously with all the things that went on on Wednesday and the Thursday, it was just trying to get them uh, back refocused on you know on playing football and having the ability to kind of move forward and, and do some things that way. So I don't really consider that a pep talk as much as it was a family talk. Our kids played with a little bit different swag on Friday night and a little bit different emotions than they do on a normal Friday night. But, uh, you know, once the ball was kicked off, it was just another Friday night for them. The second-place Timberview Wolves take on the first-place Alito Bearcats in Alito starting at 7 p.m. At home this Friday night, under the lights, it's homecoming for the Mansfield Football Tigers, and they take on Lake Ridge, 7.30 at Newsom Stadium. Legacy and Centennial go head-to-head, 7 p.m. at R.L. Anderson. On the road this week, we did mention Timberview at Alito. Summit travels to Colleyville Heritage. Both teams are undefeated in district play. Just a reminder, you can always find the MISD football schedule for all five district teams on our website, aboutmansfield.com, under the links tab. Also, I would like to invite you to come on out to El Primo's on Monday nights and be a part of the studio audience for the Coach's Corner, where we talk high school football with the coaches and the players. The show kicks off at 6.30 p.m. and is also streamed live on the About Mansfield podcast Facebook page. Just before we get into our National Day of segment, I'd like to say happy 246th birthday to the United States Navy. Anchors away, my friend, and thank you for your service to our country. Saturday is National Sports Day. October is a prime time for sports, which is why on October 16th, the fans, the families, and athletes of all sports converging on the month come together to celebrate their favorite athletic events. Golfers hit the links before the winter cold snaps. Hoopsters gear up for the season ahead. The puck hits the center ice early in October, while Major League Baseball tries to decide who's the best in the world. Football is knee-deep in tackles, kicks, and offsides. And volleyball digs midseason, too. Runners in most of the country love October with events like 5K, 10K, half and full marathons throughout the country, featuring opportunities to enjoy the fall weather and beautifully changing landscapes. And of course, in many cases, soccer season comes to an end in October. How does one participate in National Sports Day? Get out of the house, play your favorite game, or perhaps pull up a chair and tune in. There are no rules. And speaking of rules, let's check the weather forecast for the weekend with a woman who lives her life with no rules. Colleen? Ah, Steve, you are projecting again. You are the one who lives life without rules. I am nothing without my rules. Let's take a look at our weather for the next seven days in Mansfield, Texas. We're going to start out rainy. We've got a 70% chance of rain Wednesday and a 70% chance of rain Thursday, tapering to a 20% chance on Friday. While we've got that rain, it will be breezy, with lows in the upper 60s and highs in the upper 70s to low 80s. But then, on Saturday, suddenly fall fabulousness starts to settle in. The rain will be gone, and we'll be looking at lows in the upper 40s to low 50s, with highs in the mid-70s. Meanwhile, the Tarrant Regional Water District suggests that rain we get early in the week may allow sprinklers to remain off this week. You can view a map of watering recommendations for North Texas, as well as water-saving tips at waterisawesome.com. Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section. Reporter Dennis Webb talks science. Health specialist Katrina Brown has the Texas Health Tip of the Week, 
Home Improvement Specialist Terry Radzwin presents the Ask Terry segment, and Brian Sarton serves up the perfect mix of bourbon and chocolate in the Cocktail of the Week. Also, coming up later in the episode, the About Mansfield trivia question, and Steve concludes his Hispanic Heritage Month celebration with Mansfield resident Daryl Perez. Stay with us. We're back in 60 seconds. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. The Downtown Throwdown Beer and Music Festival is coming to the lot in Mansfield, Saturday, October 16th. Josh Weathers, Jordan Nix, the Brad Russell Band, Josh Nix, and Sophia Drago. Celebrate beer and music in historic downtown Mansfield. Made possible in part by a grant from historic downtown Mansfield, Dirty Job Brewing, Market Street, Lost Donkey Honey, Big D Barbecue, Main Street Lofts, and Frost Bank. General and VIP tickets on sale now at DirtyJobBrewing.com. Your logo or emblem defines who you are. So why not show it off with custom printed shirts? I'm Dana Wood with Ohana Screen Printing. We are a custom screen printing company and can print your design or help you create a new design. While t-shirts are our specialty, we can print on all kinds of apparel such as masks, hoodies, bags, you name it. Ohana means family and that's exactly why we started Ohana Screen Printing. To bring our family and community together through creative expression. We look forward to adding you to our family. Rest assured that when you do business with Ohana Screen Printing, that your dollars stay local as we are a family-owned business based right here in Mansfield. If you're part of a business, organization, or sports team looking to make a visual presence, hit us up on Facebook or ohanascreenprinting.com. That's ohanascreenprinting.com. Hi, this is Daryl Perez, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. Let's head on over to the science desk where reporter Dennis Webb ponders the question, do you believe in science? Part two. Dennis. Thank you, Steve. Continuing the discussion we started last week, do you believe in science? The answer kind of depends on whether you think science has been good for you and your family. For me, I was good at science and math in public school, and it led to an engineering degree, which is just applied science. The college degree led to a great career with wonderful co-workers doing amazing projects that worked because of science and engineering. Like all human undertaking, there was conflict in politics, but we all agreed on the science that made it all work. Science has been very, very good to me. Other people have a different experience, and that is the root of the present social conflict over science. Take the Luddites. This is a term we use humorously for someone who asks for help to hook their new phone up to the Wi-Fi. This obscures the real nature of the Luddites and their violent rebellion. To set the stage, at the start of the Industrial Revolution in England, steam engines had finally been perfected. This was a huge technological breakthrough that applied the new science of thermodynamics to practical problems of human life, including powering factories and replacing human labor. For centuries, fabric had been woven in small shops using looms of an ancient design, producing a wide range of fabrics to follow fashion and the market. Skilled, efficient weavers, many of whom were artisans in actual guilds, made a good living, and some families worked this trade for many generations. In this time, a new class of entrepreneurs raised money to buy the newly reliable steam engines and hired engineers to design and build factories to increase production speed for all manner of manufacturing. This was kind of the main point 
point of the Industrial Revolution. The mills reduced the cost of fabric so more people could afford to buy more fabric, increasing the market and the entrepreneur's profit. So, if you were a traditional weaver in these times, these entrepreneurs and their new mills put you out of business. If you chose to find a job in the new mill, it was a hellish, noisy, dangerous place where people tended to the needs of the machines, a completely different new skill, and a few workers could produce massive amounts of fabric with the machines. Some people adapted, but many rebelled. Within the rigid class system of the United Kingdom about 1800, the weavers had very little political clout to address their economic grievance. But as often happens in worker revolts, they found a simple strategy to protest the change. Their direct action strategy has been called machine breaking, simply destroying the complex and unprotected mechanisms of the mills. The dissident movement adopted the Luddite moniker, perhaps a reference to Ned Ludd, a weaver said to have broken a mechanism in a fit of rage back in 1779. This economic transition happened at the same time as an economic crisis with high unemployment in UK, brought on by the Napoleonic Wars and conflict with the USA, notably the War of 1812 when the US capital was burned by hostile insurgents. As the Luddites' machine breaking was an attack on the entrepreneurs and their investment, the government clamped down on these saboteurs using the British Army. There were actually several battles between the King's regiments and the Luddites, and as the insurrection was crushed, some Luddites were hung, some imprisoned, and others sentenced to transportation, meaning they were put on a ship sent away from England. Some of us here in the USA have ancestors who arrived here under this criminal sentence. Parliament quickly passed laws against machine breaking, calling it industrial sabotage, and the larger Luddite movement faded. Lord Byron, a leading poet of the Romantic movement, spoke against these laws. So, relative to the question, do you believe in science, what do we make of the Luddites? Their violent rebellion was against changes in the economy wrought by new technology. The Luddites cursed and attacked the whole shebang, from thermodynamics to steam engines to the profit motive that animated the business owners. Their failed struggle for economic equity is somehow hidden behind a softer modern connotation of technological ignorance. I recommend helping an old person figure out something new and useful, and think we should reserve the term Luddite for those who assert grievances and are willing to use political violence. If you have any questions about science, send an email to info at aboutmansfield.com. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. It's time right now for the Texas Health Tip of the Week, sponsored by Texas Health Hospital Mansfield, located at 287 and Lone Star Road. This week, health specialist Katrina Brown talks about why migraines are more than just a pain in the neck. Katrina. Anyone who has suffered a migraine headache will tell you how much pain they can cause and how quickly it can ruin your day. But what exactly does a migraine headache mean? A migraine headache is a painful and sometimes chronic headache that can come on quickly, often leading to severe pain around the temple on one side of the head, which can also extend to the face, sinuses, jaw, and neck. Migraines can last from an hour to 72 hours. Migraine sufferers are often hit with bouts of nausea and or vomiting during a migraine, and a sensitivity to light or sound is common. Chronic migraine is a term used to diagnose patients having 15 or more headaches per month over a three-month period. 
Chronic migraines can be completely debilitating and are different from other migraines, which usually last for just a few hours. If you think you may be suffering with chronic migraines, it's a good idea to keep a migraine diary so you and your doctor can track how many days per month you experience your symptoms. It is important to know what type of migraine you have because management can vary from different migraine types. Here are a few of the most common types of migraine. Migraine without aura. Migraine without aura are the most common types of migraines, experienced by 70 to 90% of migraine sufferers. They begin with pain and no advance warning. Episodes of migraine without aura can last between 4 and 72 hours. The headache is usually felt on one side of the head with a throbbing or pulsating pain, which can affect daily life. Next, we have migraines with aura. Some migraine sufferers will notice visual warning signs including dizziness, blind spots in one or both eyes, prickling skin sensation, zigzag patterns in your vision, or flashing lights 10 to 15 minutes before their headache strikes. This is what is called migraine with aura, which account for about 10 to 30% of all migraine sufferers. Then you have what is called retinal migraines. Retinal migraines, or ocular migraines, are much rarer than migraines with aura. They are called retinal migraines because the common symptom is vision loss or blindness in one eye for as long as an hour, either leading up to or during the headache. Proper diagnosis and treatment of retinal migraines is imperative. See your doctor right away if you think you may be experiencing one. While we all suffer the occasional headache, it is important to know when to seek medical care. If you are having chronic headaches, you should talk to your doctor. There are a wide variety of things that may be causing them, including medications, lifestyle, stress, and other health issues like high blood pressure. If your headache gets worse suddenly, if you start to feel confused or disoriented, if you feel weak or off balance or have uncontrolled nausea and vomiting, please seek emergency help. There are a lot of medications out there that help control chronic migraine. Please talk to your doctor about what treatment is right for you. There is no need to suffer. Until next time, stay healthy, Mansfield. On behalf of Texas Health Hospital Mansfield and reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Katrina Brown. Bourbon and chocolate? Brian Certain says yes. Here's the cocktail of the week. Brian? This week's cocktail of the week is the liquid bourbon ball. Bourbon is America's spirit. The spirit surged so much in recent years that the number of bourbon barrels in the state of Kentucky is double that of its human residents. But that wasn't always the case. In his exhaustive history of America's on-again, off-again, ridiculously on-again relationship with bourbon, author Fred Minnick makes one note of one unexpected bourbon success in the 1980s. He says, other than a few brands going strong, bourbon's best domestic story of the late 1980s was Rebecca Ruth Candymaker, who was making bourbon candies and appealing to America's sweet tooth. Those candies are called bourbon balls, and they were actually invented back in 1938, not technically by Rebecca Ruth, but by Ruth Hanley Boo, one half of the pair that founded the Rebecca Ruth Candy story about 20 years earlier. Rebecca Ruth Candy was founded in 1919 by two women, two unmarried, part-time teachers in Kentucky to be exact, Rebecca Gooch and Ruth Hanley, later Boo. 
Like many women of their day, Gooch and Hanley gave candy away as presents. And at some point in 1919, it must have occurred to them that they were better at molding chocolate than molding young minds, because they left their chalkboards and abacuses behind to found the Rebecca Ruth Candy Company, today known as Rebecca Ruth Chocolates. Perhaps, interestingly, the two founded their store right as Prohibition took hold, so their storefront was actually the now-defunct barroom of the Frankfurt Hotel. And at the time when women were hardly encouraged to found, let alone run their own businesses, Gooch and Hanley chose to call the shop Rebecca Ruth to honor and preserve their identity of the jointly-owned female business. But by 1936, Gooch had sold her portion of the business to Hanley Boo, and it was right about the time of the town's uh, Frankfurt's 150th anniversary celebration. Hanley Boo was still struggling to make ends meet. She was a widow. She had a young child. But she had an inspiration that came from the, in the form of a visitor who suggested an idea for the perfect candy. Add Boo's. According to her grandson, Charles Hanley Boo, the visitor said, the two best tastes in the world are a sip of Kentucky bourbon and a bite of Hanley Boo's own chocolate. Of course, Hanley Boo listened. Within two years, Ruth had perfected her recipe for bourbon balls. No shock, the candy was an instant hit. By the time World War II rolled around, even rationing could not stop her. Loyal customers saved their sugar rations to share with Ruth. And for just what makes bourbon balls so special, well, that's a carefully guarded secret that candy and bourbon lovers are still obsessed with. But as recently as 2018, when her great-grandson, Martin Boo, described the candy in Epicurious magazine as a whiskey-spiked cream center enrobed in dark chocolate and topped with a pecan. But since conflict is good for any script, it should be noted that according to him, it was actually the governor of Kentucky, Ruby LaFoon, a man, actually inspired her to create the bourbon ball, remarking at some time that that same Frankfurt 150th anniversary, there was no better taste than a bite of chocolate followed by a sip of bourbon. But no matter who inspired the idea, the most important question remained, what bourbon is inside the candy? But of course, it's Bourbon Gospel's own pick of Evan Williams' 100 Proof. But no more than 5% of the contents of the filling are that bourbon, according to A Taste of Kentucky. And no, the bourbon is not cooked off, but also no, you'd have to eat a lot of them to get buzzed off of them. I'm not saying I've tried, but again, you can let your own assumptions. However, Miss Rebecca Ruth also makes custom bourbon candies for other distillers, including Maker's Mark, Buffalo Trace, and many other major manufacturers. And out of the about 5 million total pieces of candy produced by the company each year, that's 5 million pieces of candy, 3 million are the famous bourbon balls. But if you were to ever find yourself in Frankfort, Kentucky, then you have to visit their store located at 116 East 2nd Street. And there, you'd not only find their amazing bourbon balls filled with a lot of those aforementioned bourbons, but you'll also find that they have seconds. And these are the bourbon balls that didn't pass final inspection and are sold at a discount. And in my opinion, they taste even better since they're heavily discounted. 
But in honor of these amazing treats, I created this week's cocktail, the Liquid Bourbon Ball. Now, this one, however, might get you in trouble. But all of the flavors, they have all the flavors of the original, but with a much more potent kick. But don't worry about taking notes, as always, as I'll be giving the ingredients and instructions on bourbongospel.com. So this week's cocktail, the Liquid Bourbon Ball. What you're going to need, you're going to need two ounces of bourbon. You're going to need one ounce of white creme de cacao, and you're going to need a splash of a hazelnut liqueur. Mix all the ingredients together in a shaker, add ice, and shake until cold, and then serve in a martini or coupe glass. The Cocktail of the Week segment is proudly sponsored by The Vault, located at 2300 Matlock Road at the corner of Country Club and Matlock. You don't have all the ingredients to make the liquid bourbon ball? Head over to The Vault, where one of their craftsmen will shake, stir, or strain this week's About Mansfield cocktail for you. And as always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach out to me at bourbongospel at gmail.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. Congratulations to Ann Smith, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question, which was simply to submit a question to the Ask Terry segment. Anne has won $25 in Primo Bucks, good at either El Primo's or The Vault. After the break, this week's trivia question. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is about Mansfield. The Texas Health Tip of the Week was sponsored by Texas Health Hospital, located at 287 and Lone Star Road. Introducing Texas Health Hospital Mansfield, an all-new, all-modern healthcare campus, now serving Mansfield and our nearby communities. With advanced care for women and infants, orthopedics, heart and vascular, a 24-7 ER, and more. Experience care you'll love right where you love living. Texas Health Mansfield, now open at 287 and Lone Star Road. Learn more at texashealth.org backslash Mansfield. Hey, it's Steve Casillo, and I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities. can even help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows such as Ask Philip, On the Mark, Grown and Unfiltered, and Daughter of the Other Woman, just to name a few, and handles post-production duties for remote clients such as Coaching Through Chaos out of San Diego and Epic Voices and Conversations from Palm Springs. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway just off of 287 right here in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and you get to record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast or if you're just looking for a better place to record podcast mansfield recording studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com that's podcastmansfield.com hi i'm olympian athlete jasmine moore and you're listening to about mansfield it's time right now for the highly coveted wildly popular about mansfield trivia question the first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive 25 dollars in primo bucks 
good at either El Primo's or the newly opened The Vault. Located at the corner of Matlock and Country Club Drive, it's where the locals go, whether it's for fajitas and a blue margarita or a juicy ribeye and a handcrafted cocktail. You can find them on the internet at elprimos.net. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, the Mansfield Historical Museum, located at the corner of Main and Broad Streets in historic Mansfield, hosts thousands of visitors each year with displays that date back as far as the 1800s. This week's trivia question is, in what year did the Mansfield Historical Museum open? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, in what year did the Mansfield Historical Museum open? Good luck, and thanks to Lindsay at El Primo's for the gift card. Welcome back to About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And today we conclude our celebration of Hispanic Heritage Month with Mansfield resident Daryl Perez. Enjoy. Let's talk about music. Mm-hmm. Because music is a very important part of the Mexican culture. And we talked about this off the air when we talked on the phone yesterday, Mm -hmm. that that music can also be very regional, where in Southern California, it was cumbias, rancheros, corridas. Um, Here in uh, Texas, the Tejanos are listening to... Tejano music? Yeah, I mean, uh, so, you know, I guess one of the big icons in Tejano music was um, uh, Little Joe. Yeah, uh, and La Familia. Little Joe and La Familia. And we we grew up on Tejano music. So all of our barbecues and events and, 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 you know, that we did, you know, with family growing up was, you know, Tejano music was what was played. Um, And so it was, uh, it was, that's, you know that music was you know it's it's ingrained in the memories of you know of growing up and you know I still listen to Tano music I still have my Spotify playlist that I and and it's all the old music that I that I remember listening to as a kid um because it takes me back instantly if I'm sitting in the backyard you know barbecuing and right. and song, these songs come on it, it just feels like you're home uh and so uh but we we went to all you know dances tahano dances and learned a tahano dance i've taught my wife how to tahano dance she loves it um it's not very difficult to learn uh but it's uh it, you know just yeah it was very very important you know there's the and I've heard, you know, Spanish music. Our son-in-law, his family's from Guadalajara, and, and, and they're from Mexico. So the music they listen to is very, very different to, you know, than the music that we listen to. Uh, we didn't have tubas and, and things like that in Tejano music. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that, that, that the music that he listens to and his family listen to. But mariachis, you know, the, you know, when we had celebrations, birthdays, you know, it was very important. that And even funerals that we had, you know, mariachis was always a big part of, of those celebrations as well. And that, and that. That traditional Spanish music, right, and I think that carries throughout the entire nation mm-hmm. of of Mexico, and then as the, uh, the citizens immigrate into the United States, that that mariachis are nationally known a, as a type of music versus regional, where a, a Baja California may have cumbias, whereas mm-hmm. uh, Laredo and or Nuevo Laredo may be Tejano music. Mm-hmm. Um, Mariachis is is uh, uh, I was going to say universally known, but right. it, it it's yeah it yeah. is probably the music of Mexico 
for sure. And uh, but yeah, it, it is it is very regional. The uh, the you know the everyday listening music that that I listen to. It's you know I guess it you know, depends on the area that you're you're from as to the type of music that you listen to. But uh, I like it. I love it. My family still listen to it. And every time we get together, you know, we still listen to the same Tejano music that we listened to growing up as kids. What are some of the family values that you learned as a kid that would be traditional Mexican family values that you you don't see here in the United States? Um, I would say, you know, things that I, I noticed are, you know, when it comes specifically to family of how important family is uh, and and. You know, it was even with my son growing up, you know, it was always one of those things that you always taught him that your family is the most important thing. And and um, can, can I interrupt for mm-hmm. just a second? Because on my list of topics under culture, mm-hmm. number three is family values. Mm-hmm. And we have a we have a little blackboard on our uh, on our countertop in our kitchen. And it's never been erased and it's so it's never been replaced but for the past 5 years when which is how long that little blackboard's been there two words family first mm-hmm. and we str- we we strongly adhere to that that uh what you have this over here but we have a family event over here family first mm-hmm. and Family values. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. Keep going. No, no, <laughs> and, and that that and that, that was, you know, that was that was ingrained uh, in us as kids. And you know, brothers and sisters. You know, we all protected one another in any way that we could. You know, and you asked me to compare the differences. You know, I, I, very traditional that you know my father was the head of the family. You know, my grandfather was the head of our entire family. Um, and so there's those levels of respect that you had. Um, my dad, you know, you know, was the final answer. Uh, and, and mm-hmm. you know, he, you know, we did what my dad asked. So we had our family meetings and, and you know, he would kind of determine what was best for all of us. And we all jumped on board. Uh, and so um, so it was just very it was very tight knit in that way. Um you know, I, I can't speak for, you know, other families and, and how, how it wasn't, you know, I can only speak for my own household, but I, I do, I do see that um, as we grow older, that, that, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to, to for families tend, you know, because we we're become such a transient society that it's easier to, um, you know, to kind of distance, you know, your family becomes more distant, but you know, we always make make it a, a you know when someone passes away or there is a wedding. I mean, it's very important, you know, that you attend those functions because they're you know they're milestones in in, in your family's life. And right. so, you know, even though work or, or your you know current family um, responsibilities may prevent you from going to a wedding, it's very important that someone from our family represents our family at that wedding. So, um, you know, I may be the one only one attending of, between me and my 
four, bro- you know, my other two sisters and two brothers. But it's you know the way the family looks at it. Who's you know, is, if it's someone getting married, they see I'm I'm there for my entire family, and right. so just yeah, so representing that way. So I, I would say that you know it's it's those values that I see that even as time goes by and things, you know, move very quickly. The the family part of of the family values are, are one of those things that change is that just changing very slowly and still very very important part of of, of you know what I learned and what I teach my children. I hope they teach their children. Sure. And it wouldn't be just a wedding, a birthday party, or even yeah. a funeral. Yeah, exactly. or the, that A representative from the family, if the entire family can't be there, right. Right. should be there. In fact, uh, there was a funeral just this past weekend mm-hmm. of a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. I was not available to go, but my wife represented the family. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that, again, kind of plays into the... Uh, uh, into the family values, right? Of not only paying respect to the deceased, but to the family of the of the of the deceased. Mm-hmm. Let's change topics. In fact, as Monty Python said, uh, and now for something completely different. What goes through your mind when you see Washeteria instead of Lavateria? Yeah. <laughs> I- what first thing comes to mind is growing up when we went to my grandparents' house, we used to pass pass the, the washateria. Uh, yeah, and um, the washateria. That's what it was. And it said that really big <laughs> yeah. on the top, just like you would have donuts for every donut shop. Right. Every washateria had washateria. And, um, and so I always knew growing up that we were getting close to my grandmother's house because we were passing the washateria. I can still <laughs> visualize it, you know, driving by it right now. And did your mom ever use a chancla on you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Tell the listeners what a chancla is and how it's used. So the chancla is um, whatever shoe my mom happens to be wearing because it, it all falls under that term. So, um, And uh, it was, you know, I think... Eddie Murphy defined it best uh, if you've ever seen his stand-up on Raw where he was talking about how uh, his grandmother would, would throw a shoe at him and uh, she had it down like a boomerang where she could she could throw it, it would hit you and it would come back. I had a mother that would throw a shoe at you at the drop of a dime and f*** you up wherever she was aiming. Bang! Shoe. She would like carry that shit like a gun. By the time I was like 10, my mother would like Clint Eastwood with a shoe. And God forbid my mother be dressed up and have them high heel Jimsons on, them pumps, because then she get boomerang action going on your ass. And f*** you up in the room, you won't even know what the f*** happened. My mom was uh, she was pretty precise with the with the chancla, so it can be used as a as an object to to be thrown at you to to get your attention. Yeah, uh, or it can be used as a paddle. Yeah, um, yeah, and so uh, so we we knew when the chancla was coming off that something you know something good was not going to happen. <laughs> Daryl Perez, what's your favorite ice cream? <sighs> My favorite of all time would be uh, pistachio. We have reached that time of the interview, even though we've been specifically focusing on the topic of Hispanic Heritage Month, you are here in the studio as my guest, and every guest that sits in that very seat goes through what's known as the lightning round. Mm -hmm. So, you are no different. 
you are a guest. I'm ready. It is time for the lightning round, which is very simple, uh, a very simple exercise of, of, of this or that. And so this is where the listener actually gets to know you, Daryl Perez, on a very intimate level. Okay. Night or day? Night. Menudo or pozole? Pozole. Hard shell or soft shell? Soft shell. Spicy or mild? Spicy. Labrador retriever or chihuahua? Chihuahua. Popsicle or paleta? Paleta. Red or green? Green. Bonuelos or churros? Mm. That's a tough one. It is, because it depends how they're made. Uh, but I would say overall, churros. Corn or flour? Corn. Tres leches or flan? Tres leches. Interesting answers. We don't agree on all of them, but but uh, very, very close. Mm-hmm. Daryl Perez, happy Hispanic Heritage Month to you and your family and to all of the Perez family that goes back all the way to Mexico. Thank you so much, and and the same to you and your family. I appreciate it, Steve. Thanks for being on About Mansfield. You're welcome. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, it's Mansfield News, Sports, and Weather, and an in-studio interview you won't want to miss. Until then, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, share, love, and support this podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Go to our website, aboutmansfield.com. Enter your email address right there on the homepage. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Reporters, Stacy Main and Dennis Webb. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. Texas Health Tip, Katrina Brown. Home Improvement feature, Terry Radswin. Cocktail of the Week feature, Brian Certain. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo. We thank you all for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is About Mansfield.